Welcome everybody to Straight Shoot, a wrestling podcast. We are hot off the seats of one of the most exhausting summer slams in memory. Steve, how are you? Santi, I, I swear to God, man, I have not been that entertained by a WWE pay-per-view in many, many years. My God, was that just, there's so much happened. This this could be a good one hour podcast with us just talking about the results and all the shenanigans that happened. Sandy, w- what are you feeling after this? Is it are we in a new regime here? This had Triple H written all over it. Um, I don't. So we are live right now. For those that might be listening after the fact, we decided to to do this podcast live in front of our YouTube audience. We have over four hundred people watching and listening to us right now, and I think that the general consensus is is that there was not an ounce of Vince McMahon or Bruce Pritchard on this card at all it was all hunter baby that's what it felt like now we're going to talk about some of the surprise returns some match results and overall what we thought now that being said typically we leave the title match towards the end but i want to move this up to the very top of this podcast let's talk about what we just witnessed one of the craziest craziest pay-per-view main events that i've seen in recent memory brock lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the undisputed Universal WWE Championship. Again, in one of the most wild matches of all time. We're going to go through this sequence by sequence, but Steve, initial first thoughts, what did you think? I thought, like everyone else thought, we were looking at time. We were really looking at time on the pay-per-view. Both you and I really thought that there was going to be maybe a short kind of squash match, like we always see Spear, Spear, Superman Punch, Suplex City, F5, you know? typical how they always put it together we had none of that santi we had none of that we had a good 30 minute match of edge of your seat entertainment and my god i don't care what anyone like i'm watching the comments here to the left to my left side here the comments are saying you know what what a horrible finish roman needs the usos blah blah blah. we'll get into that in a second but how are you not entertained how that's what it is it's entertainment baby you said something during the live we finally saw something we have never seen before please take it away go you you know what there's so many places where we can start but yes first and foremost um this was one of the first pay-per-views of the year that went over time They've been very, very good about ending things at 11 p.m. Eastern. And when we saw that the match was going to start at around 10.50, we were nervous. We're like, oh, you've got, this is going to be another eight-minute a la WrestleMania 38 main event where it's going to be, like you said, Spear, Spear, F5, F5, Superman Punch, Spear, game over, Roman Reigns wins. But they gave us 35 minutes of... One of the most brutal matches I've seen in a very, very long time. But let's talk about it. First, the entrance is phenomenal. Roman Reigns coming out to... He just has this godly aura around him. Obviously, God mode. Doing his classic Nashville acknowledge me. By the way, the Nashville crowd, you guys were absolutely fucking fantastic. But speaking of entrances, Roman Reigns' entrance got absolutely overshadowed by, by Brock Lesnar coming out in a tractor (laughs) 
And I said to Steve, Steve, if, if Brock Lesnar is unhinged, he could turn left and kill a hundred people with that tractor. Absolutely. He <laughs> So immediately we okay, this is bizarre, this is weird, this is different. The energy was also different because at the Mania match, like there was some good energy, but you're like, we've seen this before. But right off the bat, they're giving us something different. I know it was just an entrance, but it was really what set up the stage for a unique sequence of matches. It started off as a typical last man standing match where things go out of the ring. They go over the barricade. Uh, they're fighting in a, within the audience. Sure. But things get crazy once they come back into the ring and what was supposed to be in our minds just an entrance prop became a match prop because yeah. Brock Lesnar used that tractor in several ways. The first one, actually using it to scoop up reins and then throwing them back into the ring. And of course, the most memorable moment in potential, one of the most memorable moments in SummerSlam history, without a doubt. And Lesnar has had a few of these in destroying the ring, but this was unique and different. He used the tractor to pick up and capsize the entire ring vertically and push Roman Reigns rolling back to the other side of the ring. What were your thoughts when you first saw that? Hey, Santi, I said earlier in the match, and we had TikTok going and we had our YouTube live going. And our chat was like, Steve, why would he flip the ring? What's the point in flipping the ring? And he was, he backed the tractor up for a different sequence to dump Roman in. And I'm like, he's going to flip the ring. Not five, 10 minutes later, Brock Lesnar drives a digger under the ring and lifts it easily a good 12 feet in the air. Okay. First off, I was right. Everybody over on YouTube. But secondly, what the f never seen it before never what seen it before roman hey let's give a little a lot of people in here aren't roman fans and the people that are watching i'm seeing a lot of non-roman fans roman sold the shit out of that and it was brilliant i got like sean michaels vibes of that cell and it was so good and then you're sitting there and you're like is he actually gonna flip the goddamn ring like this was just mental absolutely chaos and i love every second of it and i want more i want more if this is the way wwe is going to move forward in the future i am so excited to go clash at the castle because they're gonna like blow something up next <laughs> like it, it, at this point what else is there there to do yeah like, what what okay credit to the usos and even the austin theory part we'll get to that in a second but Roman and Brock have literally now just put on one of the best matches of their feud. And they've been feuding for years. Roman and Brock have just put together one of the matches that when they decide to put one of them or both of them in the Hall of Fame separately, obviously, this will be a significant part of that. I think this might be the go-home uh match or like the final sequence match of brock and roman i don't think we're gonna see that again anytime soon so i really feel that this is going to be one of those vignettes that they could just make of this match left right and center and it will be a staple towards both of these performers for the future what's crazy steve is that 
the wild sequence of events doesn't end in this match. The second that the ring gets flipped over, Roman is getting his ass handed to him by, by, by Lesnar. They're both out for the count. Out you hear A-Town downtown as Austin Theory makes his way to the ring. And uh, honestly, one of the funniest entrances I've seen as he's holding the money in the bank briefcase above his head, running with it like a child, who, like a monkey who just stole a banana from a different monkey. It was hilarious. And I bought it. I'm like, holy shit. They're pulling the trigger on on theory because these guys had battered each other so realistically bad that you fight yeah. and that was the thing right like no one bought theory being in this and coming out with the titles but the way these two had mul- just mauled each other had absolutely yeah. mauled each other it made it believable and you're like that's it holy shit they're pulling the, the they're pulling the trigger on theory um only for it seems like you want to jump in, in here only for just, for the rug to be pulled in from under him which was great here's the thing this is the, i just want to get your opinion on this because it's not going to cut you off from what your what your your uh your train of thought is this something we're going to see pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view i, I would love that and theory fail and fail and fail and fail that is brilliant if it does but i want your thought on this because when he did this i'm like they're gonna run with this yeah i i take my money like if if this is what theory's character is going to be that's hilarious absolutely hilarious um different like train of thought here what's funny is that daniel bryan's original uh reign as money in the bank was supposed to be something similar where it's just failed attempt loses every match up until what was supposed to be a wrestlemania they changed their thought their their mind i think that would be great for austin theory i think that would be hilarious anyways after after the austin theory sequence then we have probably one of the most brutal beatdowns for a solid five minutes in five six different 10 counts that should have ended the match with Brock Lesnar standing up from all of them and again what's crazy is is that because it's Brock Lesnar it's believable you genuinely believe that it takes a silver bullet to take out this werewolf and and they needed everything they needed um, Paul Heyman coming out and pleading and getting f 5 which was great, which is crazy that that's an afterthought because that was a great moment. The Usos when was the last time you, when was the last time you actually saw Heyman take a serious bump? Right. It was the first time in years. Yeah. So that's huge. You have the Usos coming out, doing their thing. You have, uh, I think it was chair shots, like four spears, two title shots until finally, they finally were able to put away Brock Lesnar with one with was it the money in the bank? He also got beat with the money in the bank briefcase. He got, there was beat, so many. He got beat like eight, ten times with the briefcase. Then he took the the, spear, the titles. Yeah. Then the, he took the one title, the WWE title. Then he took the uni- the blue universal title. And then they decided to bury him under a mound of debris that had been utilized for the entire match. Yeah. Now, Steve. Um, okay, so we have. Reigns win. I know people are divided in the results. I feel like people would have been divided in the results if Lesnar won anyway. Um, that being said, the debate that I'm seeing in the comments is whether or not this is a five-star match. Look, when it comes to the Wrestling Observer or anything like that, this is never going to get a five-star because all they care about is technical wrestling and in the work that happens in the ring. 
Sure. Dave Meltzer's a mark. I'm yeah. going to say it right like now. New Anyways, that's what New Japan is for. That's what some of those AEW matches are for. And that's what, you know, the Gargano era of NXT was for. This is different. This They weren't going for a technical masterpiece. They were going for chaos entertainment. When it comes to that, the entertainment factor, everything encapsulated into one neat little wrapped gift this is a five this really genuinely is it had everything it had absolutely everything that you need as a wrestling fan and again i get people being divided on the result i see you guys in the chat being divided on the results you would have been divided had lesnar won anyway but you cannot sit here and tell me that everything that happened the the freaking tractor the ring being lifted Heyman taking a serious bump a failed great money in the bank bank cash in and all, and of course, the carnage and mayhem that came along with the match, pure entertainment. This is a five. There was little segments in this match that were perfect too. Like, okay, the Brock using the broken table to break Roman even more. Roman focusing on beating the ever living, ever living hell out of Brock Lesnar. But then, you know, I'm just gonna give. Theory an extra shot just because he's laying there and being stupid. And it's theory. So good. The li the little parts of the storytelling in this were so good, and I don't think I I don't want to shoot on the the wrestling community right now. But all I want to say is I really hope they appreciated the story of this match because God damn was it good. Yeah, let's move on here, Steve, because the the night was just great all around. And we're going to talk about what I think is before the Roman and, uh, and Lesnar stuff was the best sequence of the night um, came about after the match between Bianca Belair, who defeated Becky Lynch uh, via pinfall for the Raw Women's Championship. It's decent match, but it's not. People aren't talking about the match. No. There's a lot that happened after the match. You and I groaned at the Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair handshake. But then it led to something that will shake the women's division for a while. We have the return of Bailey, which on its own got me and you off of our seats absolutely marking out because I, I have goosebumps yeah. just thinking about it right now yeah like, we're good go keep going because and it was predictable like we're like bailey could happen but the thing is bailey has been trolling us for the past six or so months pretending that she's coming back at certain events yeah and it finally happened and you and i we were satisfied with this we were satisfied yep. with this and then tr triple h happened i believe triple h happened because we have the return of the recently released, a release that everyone said, why? Pissed. Why release this incredible talent in Dakota Kai aligning herself with Bailey? What do you have to say? Santi, you and I sat here a couple of months ago when we read the releases. And it had a couple other wrestlers that were like, what the fuck? Like, why? But I think both you and I realize that out of all the talent that could grow in this business, Dakota Kai was probably the biggest release on that card. Granted, there were some big male names there, but Dakota Kai for me was like the what the fuck statement. When her music hit, Santi, I was a kid again. I, I was marking out like Austin's glass breaking. 
the rocks if you smell. Like, I was so happy because this is, as you said, Triple H at his finest. This is a Triple H person. This is someone that can revolutionize again what the women's division was four or five years ago when we had the evolution. And oh my God, let's go. What happened next, Sandy? Yeah, we're not done. We're because not. because that's a tag team, Steve. But turns out we didn't get a tag team. We got a full-blown stable as we had what many people believe was is the most talented women's wrestler in NXT in today being called up to the main roster after rumors that she was going back to Japan and not re-signing with the WWE, but lo and behold, Triple H comes back and who re-signs and who gets moved up to the main roster? Io freaking Shirai. Again, one of the most talented, talented in-ring, in not just women, in-ring individuals in all of WWE, aligning herself with Dakota Kai and Bianca Belair. And what I said during the, during the sequence, Steve, was this just became potentially the greatest women's faction of all time. And yes. that's them being together for two minutes, yeah. two minutes. And I'm already Here's, calling that. Santi, I'm going to tell you right now, the women's tag titles are gone right now. Vacant is holding them tight. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you right now, these two women put as a tag team will be better. And listen to me when I say this, the Iconics, were a phenomenal tag team for what the tag division was then. If you want a savage, true tag team, like you're watching the Street Profits, the Usos, or even the guys over on AEW, um, like the Jungle Express and whomever else, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, you've got this with Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. They are going to make that women's tag division relevant and i can't wait hell yeah hell yeah let's move on here oh i, I love this pay-per-view steve i love this pay-per-view awesome. and and the next match i also really love because logan paul impressed the shit out of everybody when he defeated the miz alongside maurice and champa now a couple of highlights from this match that i want to uh that i want to mention uh one uh we see the start of a feud between Ciampa and AJ Styles. That seemed to be like a little separate uh, in-match feud that led to a, to a brawl in the um, in the audience. That's great for Ciampa. That's great. We needed we needed Ciampa to hopefully step away from from the Miz and not become another one of those like uh, turn into like the B team, like um, uh, Curtis Axel and what's his face turned out when when they were part of the the Miz Tourage or whatever they're called. So that's great. Great for Ciampa's career. And then we yeah. had Logan Paul putting on a wonderful athletic performance against The Miz, highlighted by one of the highest frog splashes through a table that I've ever seen in my entire wrestling fandom. I asked you, has anybody ever gotten higher than what we saw Logan Paul get during that frog splash? And I don't think so. I don't I think tried so. To say, I tried to say Eddie and Ray back in the day but honestly no 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 i i genuinely believe logan paul just performed one of the best ring to announce table 
move since maybe the first time Shane did it when it was like an oh my god moment. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Logan, listen, listen, you know I'm not a fan of Logan Paul. And I'm sitting here during the pay-per-view being like, I, he's over with me. He's over. And I want to see more of Logan Paul because of this match. He does a fucking standing moonsault off the edge. And then you know what? Six minutes later in the rest of the match, this man does another just standing moonsault in the middle of the ring. Like, okay, yeet yourself off the corner of the ring. You've got a, a, a way to land. But just stand there and do one with no hops? My days. This kid is legit. I don't want to see him in pro wrestling, but goddamn, give me more. Yeah. Give me more. Yeah, and we're going to get more. Uh, this was not a one-off. Uh, Logan Paul is signed to the WWE. Of course, we don't know the details of his contract. I made the comment that it's most likely a Goldberg-like contract where WWE can just kind of call on him when they need him for a match, most likely for, of course, major pay-per-views, probably Royal Rumble appearance, all of that. And again, I'm all in. Give me Logan Paul. Um I said we we talked about the possibility of him being a clash in the castle with KSI, the largest uh, UK based YouTuber on the planet. And that would make a heck of a lot of sense. But um, yeah, huge kudos and huge props to Logan Paul, because what we thought might be the bathroom break match of the night ended up being another banger. And SummerSlam was off to a blistering hot start and then we got the next match which i ended up being the bathroom match even though i still enjoyed it for what it was it was bobby lashley defeating theory by submission and we and and i and i asked you steve i asked you during the match is there a more protected move in the wwe today than the hurt lock is yeah, we're going back to like the master lock challenge type thing with, uh, and I believe Bobby Lashley was the one who broke. He that. was the one that broke it, yeah. But that was so protected for a good eighteen months to two years. We had master lock challenge, master lock challenge, and for the younger people watching this, if you don't know what the master lock challenge is, look, go look up Chris Masters WWE on YouTube. You'll figure out what that was. Um, but it's virtually the hurt lock just by someone else. Um, oh no. Sorry, keep going. You're frozen. I, I'll, I'll I'll take it from here. So Steve's having yeah, some going. technical uh, difficulties here. Uh, but yeah, so I, the way I'm seeing it, the Hurt Lock is one of the most protected moves that we've seen in a very long time. Now, again, the match itself was decent. It wasn't anything really particularly memorable that we're going to be talking about. But the main thing that I said after Bobby Lashley won was that the night is not done for Theory. And we were right. We've already talked about what ended up happening. But Theory is going to be a cornerstone of wwe storytelling for a really 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 long time um and again this is the beauty of the money in the bank briefcase you can have a guy who had by all intents and purposes a match where he got completely annihilated and buried by bobby lashley and it doesn't matter because that's not what people are going to remember people are going to remember his spot in the lesnar versus reigns feud and again that is the beauty of somebody like a theory holding the money in the bank briefcase because again it's giving me vibes of of seth rollins when he was with uh j and j security holding the the money in the bank briefcase so i see a lot 
lot of bright moments for Theory over the next six, seven months. All of them because of the type of character that he is and the way that he uh, conducts himself with the briefcase. The kid's got a bright future, but Bobby Lashley absolutely ate his lunch money. Steve, can we move on, or do you have anything else to say about this match? No, absolutely. I apologize for the technical difficulties there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like we we are gonna see theory. Theory's uh, gonna be a cornerstone for pro wrestling and the WWE for quite some time. Let's just move on from it and people that hate him learn to love him because I can't stand him and I'm still finding him entertaining. So Let's yeah. go from there. All right, let's uh, rapid fire through this next one. We have the Mysterios, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio defeating the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest alongside Rhea Ripley, who, from what I can tell, is still not medically cleared to take any bumps because she didn't take no. a single one. Still great to have Rhea Ripley back on television, but I was really hoping she was going to take a spear from Edge, if I'm being honest with you. Um, speaking of Edge... Honestly, this is the main the 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 thing that we want to talk about. Yes, the Mysterios yeah. defeated Judgment Day, but why did they defeat Judgment Day? The return of full blown Brood Edge. That it's it seems to me, Steve, that this is his gimmick now. They're done with the on this day. I see clearly. It seems like they're making the full transition to Brood Edge. What are your thoughts? Listen, everyone says uh, Metalingus is one of the greatest entrance themes of all time, but listen. Everything has to come to an end. And sometimes history repeats itself in this business. And you and I could sit here 20 years from now, and we're going to get the next Austin theory that comes out, same crew cut, same everything, just like John Cena did 25 years ago. But what Edge has done is he has reinvigorated what the brood could have been in this day and age, has the same entrance. What I'm looking forward to is seeing the stage maybe coming out of the floor more style because back in the nineties, the brood came out of what was the built up stage. So hopefully they do something a little different um, because it looked a little tacky today, but that's my one thing, but we all knew this was edge with the vignettes yeah. for the last couple of weeks, but I expected more. Well, they spoiled it too before beforehand for um, WWE tweeting out that Edge returns tonight. Or it, like, why would they do that? I don't know. Not that we would have been particularly shocked or surprised had this happened, but at the very least, we would have been wondering if it was going to happen. We knew it was coming. Yeah, we knew it was coming. I we hoped for more. Don't get me wrong. I think there was for the half of the pay-per-view that we had watched, we had hoped for more and we didn't get it, but it is what it is. It's still Triple H's day. Edge is going to be a massive thorn in the side of Judgment Day. We're going to see a very good feud. I really hope we're not seeing a brood blend face with the Mysterios and Dominic because let's be real, this isn't going to put Dominic over. Ray's only got probably like a year left. Let's be real. Dominic needs as much help as he can get. Like we were saying in the actual pay-per-view during the live, we were saying he's so late on his cues and it's concerning because that could cost a finish, right? Um, the brood, if they want to go dark, there's a couple of call-ups that they can bring from NXT. But right now, 
I really hope this is a heel versus like anti-face feud. I want to see a dark version of Edge. I don't want to see a face version of Brood. If that makes that actually, any no, sense. No, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. Um I'm I'm with you. Um I don't think we want to see a fully face brood i think we want to see a tweener brood um somebody who could go in between and yeah who if anybody is joining the brood we'll see but um yeah i'm already thinking of some of some faces in nxt but that's not the podcast to do this and we can do that in a future day um you know you said something that is going to help me transition into the next uh sequence here which was we expected a lot more and the biggest expectation of the night was seth rollins what were they going to do with Rollins? Because we had the, uh, we had uh, Riddle out, and by all accounts, it was a storyline injury, which left the night open for Seth Rollins. And why leave the night open for Seth Rollins if you weren't going to have him be the fodder to a giant return? They did it for Cody Rhodes and 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 um and, and Seth Rollins, so it just made sense that somebody returning was going to confront Seth Rollins. Why else would you open him up? Everyone was saying the fiend. The fiend even makes sense storyline. They have history. Sure, why not? Um, the sequence that we got was still good, but it was to build more towards a future match. And that's just weird to me. Like, why cancel the match to just build the match to a smaller pay-per-view? Unless it's going to be Clash, which will be a very big pay-per-view, of course. Still weird to me. This tells me a few things. This tells me that maybe they had something and it fell through. That could be option number one. Option number two, the card for Clash was looking thin. And they wanted to move a marquee match over to Clash being Riddle versus Seth Rollins. What are your thoughts with all of this? Because there was so much buzz circling around this. And I think we were all left underwhelmed because all we ended up getting was Riddle coming out, demanding a confrontation with uh, with Seth Rollins, and then Seth Rollins stomps him. That's it. And again, it's just building to a to a match that was already scheduled to happen in the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. It's weird to me. Okay, so first off, this is the most disappointing part of the night. Um, We were talking about how they were going to go over time when we were watching time, and Riddle just somehow pops into the ring. First off, I one thing with WWE that really annoys me is when they have like the security guards for around the ring that are the fake guys that just stand outside and say, get out of the ring, get out of the ring. Like, just go grab him. Like, you know what I mean? But Riddle putting, like, the the K-tape on his arm, trying to show K- trying to show real injury. K-fine, we already knew it was K-fabe. It was reported by, like, some of the best reporters. But this segment, Seth Rollins deserves better. Seth Rollins is your mark. Your you mentioned it about theory becoming it in the future. Seth Rollins is your marquee. If you want to do a Mount Rushmore of current WWE superstars, the first name you're putting there is Seth Rollins. He is your staple for what a sports entertainer, a sports entertainer, and a pro wrestler needs to be. Okay, 
the fact that he got did done so dirty by Triple H in this. And I'm going to say Triple H because he's creative right now. He's the one running it. The fact that Seth Rollins didn't have a match at one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. And he got a four-minute segment of complete bullshit is horrific. Simple as that. I hated this segment. I didn't want to go off in the live because I didn't want the chat to go a different direction. But this was the stupidest shit I have ever seen for a pay-per-view of this magnitude and the quality that they were producing during this pay-per-view. You've got two guys that are so hot and you couldn't figure out anything better. This... Oh, that's what i was saying i was confused it didn't make sense that's why those were like the two options that were rattling around in my head did they have something and it fell through so they needed to bring riddle back in to fill in the void or again maybe they're they really are just thin in terms of marquee matches for clash that they needed to move this over there it was it was a poor use of both of those guys's time talent and um current popularity so it is a shame of course we're also partly to blame because we we raised our expectations with but again yeah that's what wrestling fans do you put us in a situation like this we're gonna make assumptions and if you don't deliver at the very least something to those assumptions we're gonna be upset and that's what happened but let's move on next match this was my personal disappointment of the night, Steve, it was Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. Um, for for what it was, uh, and, and we can talk about the, the results, it, it ended with Pat McAfee defeating Happy Corbin. Look, I love Pat McAfee, but this match showed that he is pretending to be a wrestler rather than him being a trained wrestler, which, like, it's not his fault. He is not, he, he isn't a wrestler. That being said, now it concerns me that, you know, his popularity and how over he is, that they're going to continue to put him in matches in the future that uh, of this uh, of this magnitude because even though we might not love happy corbin happy corbin gets put in very marquee spots in every event that he's a part of and this was billed as a marquee match for SummerSlam. i love pat mcafee but his move set is it, uh, it, it showed it is highly limited we he's a one trick pony and we saw all of his tricks at wrestlemania we saw all those tricks at WrestleMania and all of those same tricks came out here in the match against Happy Corbin and they weren't delivered as well. Why? Who knows? It, it, it might be um, on Pat McAfee. It might be because he's not working with as quality a talent as um, somebody like Theory, who's technically more talented in the ring than a Happy Corbin is. You know, you mentioned a late spot on Corbin not catching Pat McAfee. Uh, and in that same sequence, Pat McAfee almost completely fell and botched the Swanton Bomb. There was the ending of the match, a very weak Panama sunset. These are all things that marks like you and I can be like talking about with a beer and Cheeto grain on our chest being like, wow, Pat McAfee sucks. Obviously, he's incredibly talented, but not to the level when and it showed today, not to the level of your typical average WWE superstar. I still love you, Pat McAfee, but uh, it showed Logan Paul's performance was twice as good as Pat McAfee's tonight. Santi, you said it all. I don't need to comment on any of this because you know how much I love Pat McAfee. You know how much I dis despise 
uh, Baron Corbin. Um, but I will say this: it's there was a lot of spots that Pat made look so easy at Mania that he botched tonight. And you know what? Some people have a bad night, but again, with how good this pay per view was, these are what we just spoke about, and now these are the two spots that were like. Jesus, man. Like, I was actually, you saw me, everyone in the live saw me during this match. I was cringing at every big spot. He did the, uh, superplex. The superplex. The superplex lands literally on the back of his head. I thought he was out for a second. The way he, because normally you do a superplex, you roll over, you sell. He just laid there and his one arm was up. If you've ever been knocked out, that's a horrible sign. I'm not saying he was knocked out. I'm just saying. It looked like it. It was nasty. The the Swanton off of off the top rope outside, barely getting caught by Corbin. There was too many botches in this to make it actually enjoyable. I was concerned for the well-being of the performers, and that's where you get drawn out of what professional wrestling is into I can go watch this in the indies. And that's Truly, how I felt about this show, uh, this match. It was a, it was an indies match at best. Yeah, and I, that's for two of the biggest big names like Pat and Corbin. And I don't want to shit on Pat McAfee because I love him, but that was an indies match at best. And I'm sorry to say that, but I have to. And that's why I said it, right? That's why I said it. It looked like Pat McAfee was pretending to be a WWE superstar. And again, I want more Pat McAfee matches in the future because he's entertaining as hell. The man is sports entertainment. He give him a mic all day, every day, please, because he built this feud and with fantastic promos. I love the bum ass Corbin uh, men's choir. That was hilarious. So like, there's still some really good memorable things about this match. That being said to me in terms of the match, because of my level of expectation based on his performance at WrestleMania with, um, with Austin theory um, left me disappointed, but that also, you know, speaks volumes to the quality in-ring worker that Austin Theory is. Because, it again, he wasn't in the ring with somebody who is as technically sound, who can take moves and sell them the way that Theory was. Uh, Happy Corbin just isn't there. Just isn't yeah. there. No, and I get that. I get that. And it's it's one of those ones where you're sitting there and you're like, I want this to be better because of the people that are in the ring, but you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know uh, what? We're we're gonna have our highlights in the feed. Like again, somebody in the chat brought up war games. Yeah, absolutely. WrestleMania. This is a, one of his duds. And, and and again, he's got a, a a long future ahead of him. We're next up, Pat. Next up. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on from this one. Do better at Clash. I'm sure he's gonna have something at Clash. There's no way. There's no way Pat McAfee's not gonna have something at Clash at the castle. Yeah. So go on all right next match we have the usos defeating the street profits via pinfall for the wwe tag team undisputed wwe tag team championship these these titles are becoming mouthfuls um the match was excellent but i think the talk of the town after this is are we getting a street profits breakup heel turn or a montez ford singular heel turn listen what do you think montez is one of the best people on the mic in the business right now 
honestly, you give that man a mic, he's going to sell you tickets left, right, and center. Like Vince likes, like Vince used to say, draw me money. And Montez Ford can do that for you. We've all seen this before. The dead look in the eyes. And there was a few spots in this pay-per-view where, or premium live event, whatever, um, where Montez Ford had this dead look of i'm just uh, i'm just fed up with this shit and i truly think that we are gonna see probably the next four to six months maybe smackdown's gonna start it where they're gonna come out there's gonna be a little jawing back and forth where i bet you the end of august we get the first punch from montez to dawkins they're gonna build it of just frustration and frustration and frustration but at the end of the day montez is going to turn on dawkins the writing is in the stars. It is going to happen. This match, Santi, listen. You put the Street Profits and the Usos on any car, anywhere in the world, they're going to tear the fucking house down. Simple as that. This match was great. It was very good. Very good match. Jeff Jarrett was even entertaining, which I was very surprised that they allowed him to do as much as he did. But... Right now, all my focus is on is where they go with Montez. Because Dawkins is good. He'll be good in the mid card. But Montez... What you, was the you question asked, I you, asked you? Well, yeah, let's you, bring that up. I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The question you asked me during the live was, in the next 10 years, is Montez Ford a world champion? I said no. I had to think about it a little while longer. I can see Montez as a champion if he builds himself up a little bigger. That is the only thing. Even with Triple H, Triple H at the helm, I still think he's too small to be that particular WWE champion. Give him another 10, 15 pounds. That man is a champion in the next five years. All right, you called it here. And let's move on to the last match that we had not spoken about, which I will say, Steve, in terms of booking, this might have been the most brilliant booking of the night. We had Liv Morgan defeating, and I put air quotes on this one, defeating Ronda Rousey via pinfall for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Now this, let me, the match was... Honestly, forgettable. It was it was it was what it was. It was a Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan match. They were not gonna tear down the house. It was the finish. And I think that the finish was absolutely bloody brilliant. I was complaining before this match that WWE was doing a terrible job of making Liv Morgan look like a legitimate champion. And they did the same thing where they made her not look like a legitimate champion, but this time they interwove it really well into a awesome finish where we had ronda rousey locking in an arm bar on uh Liv morgan Liv morgan pinning ronda rousey at the same time the ref counts three but after the replay we see that at the two count Liv morgan tapped out ref didn't see That's... it gave Liv morgan the win so santa you didn't actually see it live i saw it i saw the tap at two and then I was yelling at you. I'm like, she tapped. Like, she tapped. And we watched it over and over. And, like, Liv Morgan tapped at just after one and a bit. And she starts tapping at two. And the referee's more focused on counting that three count, focused on the shoulders. Listen, 
everyone in the TikTok and the YouTube, the people, even right now, I'm watching it. There's people commenting how it was a screwy finish. It was a shit finish. This is such a good finish. It could lead to so much. Liv Morgan needs this. I don't like it for one reason because it could make Liv Morgan look weak. But I think that's the story they're going with. Exactly. Yeah. I don't like that story. But if this keeps the title on Liv Morgan till Survivor Series, let's go. Because she, if you carry yourself between the uh, two of the big four, you've solidified yourself as a true champion. SummerSlam to Survivor Series for Liv Morgan would be incredible for her. We've been screaming for it. She's not really delivered yet, but this is a great way of writing for Liv Morgan. And if it's not Ronda, we know Charlotte's coming back. We saw it today. Charlotte's coming back. And if we get Charlotte versus Liv, Clash of the Castle, and then we get, what is it, TLC in October? And then Survivor Series. Fuck, let's go. This, yeah. this is... Fuck all the marks in the chat. This is brilliant It was booking. brilliant. I, thought, I don't yeah. give a shit what anyone says. It was brilliant booking. It, clearly, they're going with the story of making Liv Morgan not a legitimate champion. And this was a great way to solidify that story moving forward. And then, of course, they made Ronda Rousey look like the continued badass uh, as she beat up the even the referee after the match. It was awesome. It was great all around. It's probably going to lead to a Ronda Rousey suspension and a break from, from WWE. But that's great. This worked on every level. Uh, continuing to build Ronda Rousey as this um, force of nature that can only be defeated under screwy circumstances like cashing in a money in the bank or the referee not paying attention. And again, I know you're not a fan of it, but this is what they're going with. And if they're going with it, at the very least, they're doing it right. The story of Liv Morgan is not a legitimate, strong enough champion to win this without any sort of shenanigans. And this was a great way, great way to continue to solidify that story. That That's all our matches, Steve. Um, you know, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you had to um, gun to your head, give SummerSlam a rating out of 10, what do you give this? 8.4 8.4 i'm going dave portnoy i'm going with the points <laughs> i'm going with i'm going with one bite everyone knows the rules dave sponsor us um sorry <laughs> no 8.4 like this was you and i talked earlier this week and we had no real ambitions or you know pride coming into this pay-per-view we thought this was gonna be shit we didn't we both didn't care we both didn't care it was SummerSlam. it was gonna be shit whatever 8.4 this is one of the best most memorable when my daughter's old enough i will have her watch this because it was that goddamn good hell yeah santi come on please Please tell me we're in the same park. You're I'm not going to give it a 10, are you? No, I, I'm, I'm a nine. Um, but I think this is the best SummerSlam in, I've seen in a really, really long time. There were SummerSlam matches that were better, sure. You know, like uh, singular matches. But like the consistency of this card from beginning to end, like the fact that my complaints come from a Pat McAfee match, which was, was still entertaining for what it was. There was 
there was very little to complain about this pay-per-view. And like I said, there's been SummerSlam matches in the last 10, 15 years that are better than what we've had here on a technical basis. But this is the best SummerSlam in the last 15 years. I think this yeah. is a nine. I think this is uh, a solid, solid night of wrestling, of hey, sports entertainment. How about this? We've got a chat going in here, and we're going to have people watch this in the comments. What I want to hear from everyone is, should Santi and I start doing ratings of Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views? That's I'm going to throw that out there, because I think that could be a thing. Santi, I didn't talk to you about this, but I think that could be a thing. A nine is a very generous because you're giving a nine to SummerSlam and we only just got started. Hey, I'm just with... comparing it to the other SummerSlams that I've watched. That's but what I'm comparing can't. it with. We can't because somebody else was in charge. I don't care. It is what it is. Okay. WWE is the WWE as far as I'm concerned. And this is the one of the best SummerSlams that I've seen in recent memory. Steve, that is our podcast for the night. Thank you very much, everybody on YouTube, for watching. This was our very first live um, live podcast. If you want to see our podcast live, let us know in the comments of all of the video on, on YouTube here, as well as uh, any of the podcast services that you might be listening on. Steve, where can people find you? Guys, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Mr. Tesh. I am finally back. I am streaming uh, four nights a week, probably. That's about it. Um, I am not going to try and over uh, cross over with Santi, but it's very difficult since he takes over the entire week. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I'm on twitch.tv slash Mr. Tesh. And you can also find me on TikTok at Mr. Tesh. But first off, more importantly, straight shoot a wrestling podcast. I have taken over the editing. Santi is taking over the sports section of it. We're still working together. Like always, we're just, divvying it all out now so separate and but equal <laughs> yeah separate but equal and guys don't forget go give drew a shout out on straight shoot sports go follow that man as well he's doing some great work he's got some common drew l's in there as well so make sure he's getting a little bit of flack than uh, more than me santi where can people find you uh twitch.tv slash santi zap um i'm yes i stream six nights a week apparently i have to be apologetic about there not being enough days of the week for both of us to stream on sorry i didn't make the fucking calendar steve twitch.tv slash santi zap we're currently playing some legend of zelda the ocarina of time if you if you're into those classic retro games so come on over give the stream a follow thank you guys very much for watching you're all wonderful people and until next time peace